Oh, like now? <laughs> I totally, I, I, yes, yeah, yeah, sorry. I should, I wish I could give, this would be awesome if I had the video. I could do that thing where they're like three, two, and they put up the finger one and then they point and then that's. I just say who I are. am and. Yeah, literally all you say is I'm and you refer to yourself in any way you want. And then you just tell me what, what you do. Okay. Well, hi, I'm Dr. Dogan and I am a yogi and a veterinarian. Okay. I, I did not know this. We were talking earlier today and you said that you say you are a yogi and that is, is that a yoga instructor? Uh, no, a yogi is just someone who is a yoga practitioner in my mind. Oh, okay. Like someone who but practices you... yoga regularly. Okay. But the interesting thing on Saturday, I didn't know it had just happened. I talked to you the whole way through your training, but you were training to become a yoga teacher and you finished your f first bank of training. I'm, I assume you can go on and do more studies of all kinds of mm -hmm. kinds, but now you are certified in some way to be a yoga teacher. And that happened on Saturday. And what was that like? Yeah. So I am a 200 hour, uh, certified yoga teacher now, um, through the yoga Alliance certification, which is the most internationally recognized yoga training certification and my training was awesome in short but also <laughs> um a lot of work and dedication and time did the thing at the so i don't give a crap for my about my own graduations if other people are moved by their graduations but everything i've graduated from <laughs> just always never felt like the point was there something special about, for instance, when you, well, it would be different when you become a rabbi, you accept smicha, which is like the blessing, which basically says another rabbi or the rabbi say, you are now certified to present this. You are certified to be a full Jewish teacher. And there's a religious kind of thing that falls over that, a blessing. So it feels like there's some extra oomph to it. Did this ending feel like extra oomph or did all the training feel like the thing? And it just felt like, oh, this is really nice to do the end, but great. Now I can move on and do the next thing. I definitely felt like the ending felt like extra oomph because you're finally realizing like, wow, like I committed to this amount of time and I didn't even think I could do this yeah. and I did it and they do give us a blessing and um, a send off type of thing. But it's really just the coming. It's not like a graduation in college or when I graduated vet school where it's like this big production and you <laughs> walk across the stage and you throw your hats up in the air, like nothing like that. It was way more intimate. Um, and the last day, like prior to graduate on the day of graduation, we shared a lot of our own personal stories and had presentations and, um, it just felt way more like, wow, we did this together kind of feeling. So I don't know if that equates to what you're describing, but it definitely felt like a big 
deal. Although I actually didn't invite anyone to my graduation. I wait. I, do you mean your this this thing, or you're saying your college or slash vet school graduation? No, this yoga teacher training graduation was more of a big deal for us as a class with our teachers, and not so much for like. In my mind, like, I didn't feel like I needed to invite outside people, although they were other people did invite their family and friends and stuff, um, because it felt more like a commencement of like, what we achieved as a group, especially after like two and a half years of the studio being closed and COVID, like no one being able to practice together. So that's kind of why it was like, actually a more meaningful graduation for me than like vet school graduation or college graduation. Uh, how is that? I know how hard, maybe college, not that big a deal, but vet school, no joke. Why, Mm -hmm. why did that gap of not being around people or having, having everyone having gone through this difficult situation mixed in with this training, why did that make this thing feel even better or different or more meaningful than vet school graduation? How could vet school, wouldn't vet school graduation be way a bigger deal? How did this feel different? Um, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I mean, vet school is a big deal and like that's four years of like being with all those people together and they they were super meaningful. Like I loved vet school. It was one of the best experiences ever, but this was more like no one's doing this because like there is a huge like degree waiting at the end of it. You know, like with yeah. college, like you go to college because you're hoping that, well, the hope, whether it's the reality or not, is that once you get that degree, you're going to get a good job. You're going to be able to make a decent amount of money. And like vet school is similar. You're going to get a good job. Like you're going to be able to practice medicine, like those kind of things. Whereas like people who do yoga teacher training, a lot of people, it's not a requirement that like once you graduate that you have to teach. They also like when you apply for the program, say like you can just be doing this just to deepen your practice. Um, So it felt more like people were there for a reason more than like something tangible that you get at the end of it. It was more connection based and um, it's, it's really difficult to explain, but like they're there for a deeper reason. And that's why it felt more meaningful. It sounds like I hadn't, I mean, that, that makes sense because a college degree, even a high school, high school degree, college degree, you know, a post-grad degree, like a a DVM, a doctor of veterinary medicine. I mean, they're utilitarian. You may love what you're studying. Like I loved what I was studying. That's why the end never felt like the point, but I could see also how, yeah, at the end of the day, we're doing this so we can get this degree because that is the stepping stone to doing the next thing, as opposed to this, which is look, if you people, if you people wanted to go wander off somewhere and teach people yoga in your living room without the certification, we're not going to stop you. A board's not going to come after you. You you don't have to do this. So yeah, it was personal. Yeah. Yeah, Some personal reason. Like even when we first started, they were like, you know, you guys don't need to be doing this if you want to go to 24 hour (laughs) fitness tomorrow and say and apply to teach yoga. Like you can teach yoga anytime, anywhere, whenever you want. Like there's no laws around it right (laughs) so yeah exactly what you're saying 
why did you, I feel like I could start, we could start with Saturday and we're going to work our way back. My first question is, why did you decide to undertake um, yoga teacher training instead of, for instance, just continuing as a yoga practitioner? Um, well, I decided because it's always something that I thought in the back of my mind would be like something fun to do. And mm -hmm. I always thought like I needed to get to this certain level of um, expertise before I could even think about like applying for yoga teacher training. Um, like I had to do a perfect like handstand or like I have to be able to get into the poses exactly okay. how they look like. And then I can maybe like teach it, you know, like I felt like I had to master like all the yoga poses. But then I as I like learned more about yoga, I was like, oh, yoga is so much more than just doing the poses. It's so much deeper than that. And it's such a more spiritual connection with yourself and with your community in a sense. Um so, but what really finally motivated me to like sign up, which was funny because I had no hesitation. Like as soon as the yoga studio opened and the funny thing is I'd never been to this yoga studio. Um, I just, my twin sister did her yoga teacher training there pre-COVID like in 2019. And yeah. I saw like how much it like impacted her in a positive way. Like she became calmer. She was just like more at peace seeming like with the flow of things in her life. And I was like, wow, like, and I went to her graduation. Um, so as soon as the studio, they're called Samadhi, um, opened up again, I was like, when are you guys doing yoga teacher training? Like I was there cause I, right on the first day of opening, they held a free class um, yeah. to celebrate like reopening since COVID and they're like, we don't know if we're going to be able to hold like a yoga teacher training. We'll see. We just opened up again. And as soon as they announced it, I like signed up right away. Cause at that point I didn't care anymore if I was good enough or not. I just knew like I really needed it in my life. And I'd just gone through, you know, everyone went through the pandemic and everyone's experience was slightly different, but that whole loss of community for me um, through the pandemic, I didn't realize how much I needed it. Um, so I wasn't interested in doing like an online yoga teacher training or anything like that. And okay. I'd just gone through like several huge disappointments in my life. And I just felt extremely lost and like disconnected and searching for something that I could grasp onto that would reconnect me with my spiritual side and like yoga was always that for me on some level. So there was also a, a more like sad motivation, I guess, cause I'd gone through like also a very severe betrayal and I was just like searching for something that would kind of help me regain faith in like the world and people and myself. And that's why I ended up there. <laughs> so even though you were very, um, very hopeful and optimistic, did you worry, given the fact that maybe you had just gone through a betrayal or given the fact that probably like many seekers, 
um, you've tried things and they didn't quite fit. And you, you tried another thing and it, man, it seemed like it was going to be just the perfect thing. You're so excited. Then after a while, you're like, oh, it's probably not for me. Were you worried at all when you, you signed right up? Were you cool with the possibility that I could start this? And then, oh no, what if I start devoting all this time and I devote this money to this? And then it turns out to be disappointment. It's not what I wanted. It's really, it doesn't satisfy me. No, I didn't even think about that at all. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Very positive. That was easy. That's easier. You instantly signed up for it. You knew you wanted it and you didn't even think, no, no, I want this. However it goes. Yeah. I was just like, I just knew I was like, this is what I have to do to rebuild my confidence to, I don't know. I just needed to commit to something and something beyond words. That's why this is like also really difficult to explain. Um, so yeah, you mentioned, I know, um, because when I, I, f- I first met you, one of the things I think in the first year or two instantly is you started incorporating something when you'd come to conferences. So these veterinary conferences, you're like, Ooh, I want to try yo- I do yoga and I want to try some yoga. Like you tried meditation, you tried yoga, tried a lot of different things in these uh, small sessions you had. Um, Oh my God, my brain completely derailed. <laughs> Let's see if I can remember. In fact, hold on. This is, oh, this is perfect because then I can use this. I'm going to write down when my brain derailed. 13, 30. <laughs> I'm trying to pick up the strain. Uh, hold on. Uh, why was I, th- so thinking about the veterinary conferences. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> I seriously, this is my work. Like, I think if I talk too much, my brain. Dr- okay. So I do know, I don't know where I was going, but I have somewhere I could go. So, uh, when I met you, um, yoga wasn't the first thing that came up. You were coming and you were going to work with us at this veterinary publishing company and do stuff for the website, do stuff in the magazine, then eventually do stuff at our veterinary conferences. But you immediately started like, Hey, can I try some guided meditation? Hey, can I try some yoga stuff? Why did you want to take whatever yoga you were doing? Why did you feel this pull to like, I like yoga. I really want to teach people bits of this yoga, even before you did this yoga training. So clearly you early on had that inclination. I want to tell people about this. I want to show people how to do it. Why? Because I was finding that like the more I practiced yoga and meditation and that, I found that I learned more about myself and how to find peace, but also how to kind of train my brain and my body to function differently than what I guess I was doing before mindlessly. It actually, yeah, like taught me to be more mindful And that improved my life in so many ways. And that's why I was like, I knew I had no doubts about yoga teacher training because I just knew like all the practice I was doing before, it was just going to hold me more accountable and throw me deeper into that um, surface level experience I was having, which felt very profound still. So that's why I want to share with people because I just think that like, Peace is like obtaining peace, like mental peace, emotional peace, 
is one of the most important things we can strive for, for ourselves and for others. So that felt like an avenue for me that was accessible. And naturally, I want to share that with others because I'm like, if I can do this, um, others can too. Do you think you just have the natural inclination to like, um, to like sharing things that work for you and like teaching people about things that you like and know about? Um, yeah, I definitely think I have a natural inclination to teach or share. Um, cause my personality is very giving and I love helping. And that's probably why I ended up being a veterinarian. Uh, whether that actually comes from like childhood trauma is another <laughs> <laughs> being a people pleaser in some ways, or like being a helper, you know, sometimes that comes from like negative life experiences, but if you can transform it into something healthy and positive and have boundaries, then I think it's definitely something that will contribute to the world in a more positive way in the way you interact with the world. Okay. So I, I am curious. So when you first started doing yoga, now we'll push it even further back. When you first started doing yoga, did you just do it because you needed some, you wanted some stretching and you needed some different stress relief and you wanted some exercise is that how it started or did you always have, was there always something spiritual or um, emotional or intellectual about it that always appealed to you? No, actually neither of those. I just, no, okay. Perfect. perfect. <laughs> um, like honestly, the first experience or exposure I ever had to yoga was in, at, when I was at UW Milwaukee in my freshman year of college, it was just like one of the elective classes we could take and yoga seemed easy and fun. <laughs> I was like, oh, this sounds easy. I don't have to dance. It's kind of just like standing in one place, like doing different stretches. I could probably do that. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it requires much skill or talent because <laughs> I wasn't the most like um, sporty person. I so. don't have to be on a team. I don't have to do a performance at the end. Yeah. I just yeah. have to like show up, learn the stretches, learn the names of poses. So that was really my first exposure. Was it during that class or after where either you held on, did you drop the practice after that class and then come back to it another time? Or did it kind of hang around forever after that? Um, That's a good question. No, I definitely like, remember having a lot of fun in the class and oh I loved how like some of the poses were animal names so I think <laughs> that was a huge hook for me as well I'm like oh there's this pose called downward dog like I love dogs like <laughs> <laughs> or there's this pose called horse pose and even like the Sanskrit translation of downward dog is actually like in Sanskrit means downward facing dog um, so it's not like that was completely you know, westernized to make those names. Um, but then what, after I finished that class, like I don't, I did not keep a regular yoga practice. It's just like if it was at the gym, offered at the gym or something, Yeah, I would sometimes partake. But I also realized like I was doing yoga kind of incorrectly because 
for the first probably five years, I was doing yoga in terms of like, I was never breathing properly. I was holding my breath a lot. And um, yoga also has a lot to do with breath. And but it's all part of the learning process. And then I moved to California. And that's when like Bikram yoga became like huge. And so I like went to this Bikram yoga class, which and now- is that just yoga? And it's just is that just so called hot yoga? Yeah, that's the hot yoga. And now like because Bikram I don't know if you watched the Netflix special or anything, but he was totally me too'd and canceled and everything because yeah, he was not a, not a very um, ethical yogi, I guess we could say. He was taking advantage of his position as a spiritual inspiration yes. to people around him. Yeah. But Bikram yoga was really a big deal in California and kind of blew up there when I was there. And I went to one class and then I was just kind of hooked after that because it just felt so great. And so that's what I, I just, that's when I became like more involved in going regularly. And I wasn't even thinking of yoga as like a spiritual connection type practice or anything because a lot of times like in the Western world, like yoga is only introduced as like the poses. Oh yeah. But it's definitely much deeper than that. Um, I want to ask you about that, but I want to a little bit before I thought this was interesting because I'm kind of going through. um, So I'm doing some physical therapy mm -hmm. and I also noticed this years ago when I used to have a personal trainer where there is an inclination sometimes to hold your breath or stop your breath. And for me, it's when you're concentrating and you're exerting your body, it's almost like as an act of exertion or concentration, you stop breathing naturally. For you, when did someone note to you, hey, you know, hey, breathe, breathe through this, breathe, keep breathing. Why do you think you were hinching up and were either taking shorter breaths or no breaths as you were kind of executing these poses? I think because I was like concentrating so hard on it. Okay. Which doesn't make sense because your brain probably actually works better when there's oxygen flowing (laughs) through it. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) So, um, but it only took like having classes with teachers who would emphasize the importance of breath. And that's when I started realizing, I'm like, why do they keep talking about breathing? Like, I get it. (laughs) Like, I'm breathing. And then I'm realizing, like, no, I'm not actually breathing. Oh, my gosh. How long have I been holding my breath for? And it makes it so much harder because you want to try and, like, breathe through the discomfort. And yoga did teach me a lot about, like, like, Iyengar yoga style. Like, Mm -hmm. he's famous for saying, like, the the pose begins when you want to come out of it. And what he means by that is like, it's not just like getting into the pose. It's also like being able to breathe through like the discomfort of the pose, which taught me like, that is just like such an important thing for as a life lesson in general, because if you can learn how to breathe through and withstand and handle the uncomfortable, you will become a stronger person, both mentally, emotionally, and physically. That is interesting because it's so close to a lot of the stuff um, in the Buddhist meditation world when they're talking about, you know, when people first start meditating, 
So you meditate and you're distracted. And then eventually you have some really good, at some point you have this really great meditation experience and you experience something majestic. Maybe you even call it Satori. It's some feeling of like, wow, it's this immense feeling I had. And then you're either chasing that or like, ooh, to get that again, I got to shove all this stuff down and I just need to concentrate, concentrate, concentrate. And that now I'm listening, there's a lot of, now I'm listening to Buddhist um, meditation teachers who are really talking about, no, 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 the meditation, one of the best parts of the meditation, yeah, there is focused concentration meditation, but also the meditation where you are observing the coming and going of your thoughts. And like you're talking about, it's not so much the pose you're doing. It's not so much whether you're doing that pose perfectly. It's about the fact that you can observe when you, the moments when you are liking the pose or the moments, as you said, I don't want to do this pose anymore. And yet you will continue to do the pose. Don't fight the not wanting to do it, but just like breathe through the not wanting to do the pose. That seems interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's lots of different ways to practice yoga and some people don't really emphasize the breath and holding it, holding poses for longer. Um, like vinyasa flow yoga it, they don't hold the poses for very long. And that is actually, I did my training as in vinyasa flow mm -hmm. type. So you are kind of moving faster. Um, Cause the Ian guard teacher, his type of yoga is like more Hatha type. So you're holding poses for longer and breathing through discomfort. And it's more about alignment. Whereas vinyasa is more about flowing through. Um, but either way, like you're still using your breath a lot. And I, re I've learned through yoga teacher training, like even more how important that is. Why did one or the other of the kinds that are moving? So originally you add your yoga and look, you recognize later, hey, I probably wasn't doing it right in that class. He was stretching and we didn't really get into it, but then you found, you know, you found a, Vinyasa. What, what was the hot? hot yoga, oh, the hot yoga. Yeah. And then you, so you got hot yoga and then, you know, you have these two kind of yogas represented at this, maybe at the studio or in the community, one, which is more about push holding through the discomfort and the other more about flowing through the movement. Why did one or the other, why did you choose to do vinyasa instead of hatha? Well, that's a really good question. Cause actually I chose vinyasa because I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> That is a that is the most beautiful reason I can think of. Okay, so wh why did you hate it, and it why was, did you pick it then? It was so funny when we were all sharing about like why we ended up here at the first day of class. Everyone like looked at me like I was crazy when I was like, "I hate vinyasa flow yoga," and that's why I'm here. And they're like, "What?" Um, but the reason I always hated it was because I was like, gosh, I'm sick of doing these freaking sun salutations up, down, up, down yoga, like down dog. Like it was just this very fast flow. Yeah. And my personality is normally like, I like to be chill and I like to do things slowly. Like, cause even Bikram yoga, even though you're in a heated room, you do the poses slowly and you repeat them twice. And they never change. Like, and I don't even think there's a downward dog um, in Bikram, actually. There's 26 poses, and it's always the same poses, and it's slow moving. It's an hour and a half long class for 26 poses. And it was more my speed. 
And yin yoga is like that too, or like restorative yoga or hatha, like just because you're standing still a lot more. And I just realized like that was very much what I gravitated towards, but I needed more balance in my life. And I was like, maybe I should explore this thing like I really don't like and see if like that changes anything for me. Like maybe I need to dive deeper into like exploring like what is it about this and why am I so resistant to this style of yoga? Um, and honestly, like it has made a huge difference in my life. And now I like love vinyasa flow yoga, uh, but I'll probably still be like one of the more slower teachers maybe potentially just because you kind of adapt your own style of teaching based on your personality. <laughs> um, so, but because I'm of more of a chill, like slow moving type person, I think I just needed something that was going to rev things up for me and really light that fire underneath me to go after things, what I want in life, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it makes perfect sense, but I'm not, so I'm wondering, so at this moment where you needed something different and you needed a change and you'd gone through some difficult stuff, <clears throat> I think most people would be inclined. You already knew you liked yoga, so it's already familiar to you. And there are kinds of yoga that are familiar to you. So why wouldn't you just want to pick the yoga that's just easy for you that plays to your individual strengths or the things you're most comfortable with? What about you or that moment made you think, no, I want to in the nicest possible way. I want to smack myself in the face with some cold water right now. Here we go. <laughs> Um, because I was like, whatever I'm doing right now is not working for me. <laughs> so you're like the end of your rope. You're like, yeah. this isn't working. Okay. I was like, clearly like the decisions I'm making based around like what I like and being comfortable are not like getting me to like where I want to be in life. So I need to do something different. I need, and part of me was like, I was a little bit like not sure if I was going to like on the first day, I was like, oh, crap, like there were other people who dropped out, actually, because I think they realized like it was too intense for them. Like they were just okay. like, oh, I can't do that much movement like that. Like, oh, my gosh, no, um, I'm not fit enough. You know, all the reasons why you tell yourself you can't do something. And I did have those feelings like I'm like. Am I even going to be able to do this? Like, I don't even like this type of yoga, but like, I, it almost felt like I hadn't thought of it. So it moves fast enough that it almost feels like a bit like dance movement, a bit yeah. like you have to be athletic to do. This. Yeah. Like feel it, like that felt like that. Yeah, definitely. Like it does get your heart rate up. It does like you are doing like low push-ups and stuff and you're sweating a lot. You, you need to have some certain level of mobility and fitness. But then I realized actually you don't need to have any of those things because like the studio was just like such an awesome way of teaching. They're just like you have to just always, always honor your body. And we're here to try and like get you to the next level, but don't feel like in order to be able to be allowed to be here, you have to like do all the things They're like, just do what you can. So it was very like nice to be um, held in that kind of like container where you're like, it's okay if I don't want to do 10 handstands, like, or if I can't hold 
um, a headstand, you know, like there, I'm not going to fail because like there's always modifications because like so many people in our class, like have injuries and are older. Like, I think we only had like two people that were in their twenties or maybe one person who was in their twenties. The rest of us are in our thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. So, which we got stuff going on with our bodies. Yeah. Everyone has <laughs> stuff going on with their bodies. <laughs> like, and that's what I loved about. It's like, there is no one right way to do it. Actually. Um, your intention and your breath is the most important part of yoga. So I have these two strands uh, that I want to explore and I'm following your lead. I'll explore the one I struggle with the most. So, the somatic or physical element of yoga or the somatic and physical element of anything, going to the gym, running, working out, playing sports, basically awareness of your body and what your body's trying to tell you. Very out of tune. I I can follow orders very well. And it makes me feel good to follow the orders of trainers and, you know, physical therapists and everything. But as far as being in touch with my body all the time, I zone out. So maybe could you tell me, when you started this, how tuned into your body were you? And then as you worked your way through the vinyasa flow yoga over time, how did your relationship with your body and your awareness of what your body was saying or how it was feeling change? Um, I definitely think like before I started this, I was very in tune with my body because of okay. all the trauma um, work that I've done, um, regarding like getting back into your body and embodiment. Um, so what I didn't realize was like how much stronger I was than I thought I was and how like something done consistently really does like pay off because I was always like super intermittent I was like go through like bouts of being consistent some days in yoga I was like I'm sick of being in touch with my body I don't want to know anymore I don't want to go inward anymore I'm done (laughs) done with this embodiment I don't want to like I'd be like laying there being like no but then I'm like just do it (laughs) like stop because I'm I have this like rebel without a cause kind of vibe sometimes and I know that about myself where I'll retaliate against something just because oh yeah you know I'm just like I feel you I feel the same thing I've never thought about it but in the same way but that's exactly I'll set up a habit that's healthy or you set up a routine and at some point they're just a part of you that's like you should stop doing this why uh because it's a routine stop it (laughs) who said you had to do this just quit yeah Yeah, exactly. I'll do stuff like that. But um, so but it does very like teach you to like what it did teach me, though, was like in terms of being in touch with my body, like it does train your mind to like be more aware of it when you're not trying to be aware of it, if that makes sense. It does, but I'm curious about how that feels. It's almost like now you're saying it was a way of training your your unconscious mind or the part you're not aware of all the time, it seemed like it was more in tune with what was happening with your chest, your limbs, your heart, your lungs, your head, your ears. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, but like, for instance, even if I'm like in conversation, I might like um, change my breath or like, wow, um, like just to try and like get 
more grounding. Like, let's say if it's a very like intense conversation, I'll like try and change something to feel into like, oh, what's coming up for me with this person's like conversation. But I'm not like thinking about it, if that makes right. sense. Um, but then there were other things we did. Like I started filming myself practicing and I show like, I was like, that sounds uncomfortable. Okay. Tell me how that goes. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I just like was in the filming myself for my own personal like right. observation. And I was like, to make sure I was doing the poses correctly, really. And then I was like, gosh, why does my upper back look like when I'm in down dog, I look like I have a hunchback. <laughs> I'm like, am I doing this pose correctly? Like I showed it to the teacher. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, that looks great. You're like a line. Like she's like, you know, that might be like something more energetic for you. You know, like your heart is located like on the back of your upper chest as well. And I even learned that like in medicine that like you actually can access like if you want to stab someone in the heart, you're better off stabbing them in the back because you don't have the rib cage to get through and the heart's yeah. like more accessible through your back, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, and I was like, Oh yeah. Like that kind of makes sense. Like even something like that, where you're noticing something physical could be like something more energetic that you're holding in your body. So just those kind of, that's just one example of like maybe how it did help increase my awareness when I look at my body. Um, okay. This is perfect. This is perfect. Cause I do want to get your impression. One of the things that comes out of um, yoga, Tai Chi, um, acupuncture, acupressure is this idea of energy moving around your body. And of course in the Western medicine world, which you went through in vet med, Obviously, you have electrical systems in your body, and obviously, you have tension and stress, so energy or tightness gets held. When you're talking about energy in yoga, do you really think about this as a very real thing, or do you think of it as a metaphor of something that's happening in your upper chest? Or do you think there's how do you see the energy, and how do you feel it, and how do you loosen it or tighten it? What does it feel like? Um, I think of it as more of a very real thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that also comes from a, my medical background, B the reading on trauma that I've done with other researchers who actually like research how, um, whether it's like a physical trauma and how the body tries to heal that through making, um, more of a fibrous tissue around it or whether it's from an emotional trauma, like how that research has shown to sh how it can be stored in the body, but there's still just like not enough like concrete evidence to say like, oh yeah, like it just sounds very wishy-washy as well in a way being like there's energy um, that ha can move, but it, it's like all our cells and all the, like, if you look at the elemental table, you know, in chemistry, mm -hmm. atoms, like when they come together, they're, they have a vibration. They carry a certain positive or negative charge. And so like everything that like moves in the universe, 
everything's vibrating essentially like what we see as a solid piece of wood actually is like a vibration of elements and atoms and electrons and so that's why i feel like i can believe in some sort of vibration or energy i just don't know how we're exactly going to define it if i sometimes feel like we don't really have the technology to dissect down into an energetic level yeah and maybe in the future we will but until then i'm not going to completely disregard it as like well there's no science proving that <laughs> if i was betrayed that i could hold like something energetically that might show up physically on my upper back you know so i don't know if that answers your question but no it does cuz i think it's tough and i liked your answer which is there seems to be something there there's research leading us to believe so looking at people who've experienced tremendous physical trauma we can see the callousing and the hardening and the fibrous tissue that shows up and the damage that's done to the body or the changes that are done to try to heal it. Mm -hmm. So emotionally, when something terrible, when your brain and body respond to something terrible that happens to you in the moment or over time, <clears throat> what exactly it, it does, it makes sense that it does something to your body. It is just strange that we're really not able to kind of exactly quantify when your brain and body go through an emotional experience it's so much harder to say, where does that energy sit? As opposed to like, if you get shot or stabbed or break something, well, we can see how the bone grows differently. We can see how your muscles knit together. Yeah. With emotion, this energy it, it, at one level, again, just like you said, at the atomic level, we know these things are, we know these things resonate. We know there's energy there happening and they're connecting because of energy or repelling because of energy. How does that manifest on the macro level in our body? The fact that we can't quite put our finger down on it. So that's the part. That's what I wanted to ask about it. Cause it always seems it's the farther end of, I will say this is the nicest. So it's the farthest end of woo woo, which isn't mean yeah. it's wrong. It just means, whoa, that's the part we can't quite put our finger on. But some people talk about it like they've got complete mastery of it. And I appreciate your sort of more nuanced of, I mean, something's going on there, but we just can't pinpoint it and we can't quantify it very well. Yeah, I mean, and even in quantum physics, like I know that there's this thing where, and I probably am going to totally butcher it because I'm not a physicist. <laughs> That's okay. but, like, We're not quantum physicists. We'll get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, where, because uh, I used to be obsessed with watching shows about like the physics and universe and black holes. And, um, uh, and when you observe something, it can actually like change the way that what you're observing manifests. Um, maybe we need to, maybe I need to do more research on this, but it was like, yeah, I think even observation is like tricky because what, if you put your attention on something, it can change the way that thing you're focusing on manifests. But the point is basically like, the basis of yoga and why breath is so important is because you just want to like keep things moving. Like you want to like get stagnancy moved out of your system. And so when we do pranayama, for example, like prana means breath work, basically. Um, we're just trying to clear channels 
We're just trying to like clear things, move things, keep things moving, keep things flowing. And that's why I think vinyasa flow is like kind of really popular right now, even if people don't know why they like it, because it is currently the most popular type of yoga offered everywhere, um, at least in the West. And um, because I think it does really help move things like you don't have to know what your trauma is or was or where you're holding things like you can actually just be going through the motions obviously if it's more intentional and you kind of become more aware of where you hold things you can focus on that but the thing is like if you're if you have a regular practice you're probably going to move things along and like clear things out and heal even if you don't know what you're trying to heal I mean, that does, I mean, that does make sense. I mean, it reminds me of like, the, again, the thing they say, well, just regular exercise. Well, what could, all kinds of things could be wrong with your body. Well, but you can help along so many of them just move more. If you move more, things will happen. Your body will take care of itself and things that would have gotten, as you said, were stagnant or stuck or got rigid, won't be as rigid and they won't be as stuck. And so even though you'll never know what the problem was or what the injury was, it'll just, you know move along. It'll be healed along. So, I mean, that's very, that sounds very positive. So you don't have to necessarily do introspective therapy along with your vinyasa yoga. You could get benefits just from doing the motions on a regular basis. Yeah. And likely what will happen is introspection will most likely become <laughs> a byproduct of your, yeah. what you're doing, unless you're using yoga. And so like the other thing they teach us is like yoga isn't automatically going to make your life better. Because, like, it does depend, like, on if you're just, like, beating yourself up doing yoga and, like, pushing your body into the places, like, it can't go and injuring yourself, then that's not helpful for anyone either. So it is, like, about honoring your body and learning. Like, they always tell us, like, do not cue the ego, you know? Like, don't tell people, like, and if you're more flexible, you can go into this variation of this shape like they're like because you're just cueing people's egos at that point yeah because being more flexible does not necessarily mean that something better because some people are just born more flexible and other people aren't and that means nothing about your ability to do yoga that is so interesting because um my current physical therapist, I remember a couple times where we were doing some kind of nerve glides on the arm and she's like, Oh yeah, I should probably do that. You know, I, uh, I'm is it, should it be this hard or it seems easy? And she's like, no, it should be easy. I'm not as flexible. So it's harder for me. I should probably should do it more, but it seemed like an offhanded, like, Oh, not better, not worse. Just different bodies. One person's more flexible. One person's not no big deal, but I could see exactly what you're saying that cueing and yoga. I feel like I've heard that a, a million times. And it's always well-intentioned in yoga and everywhere else where there's a teacher that says, tells you what the most advanced step is. Oh, you could also, if you, if you can handle this, you could move on to this. And of course, what is everybody who's, you know, <clears throat> ego-driven, normal people? Well, we all want to do that. Even if, Yeah. You know. <laughs> You're all like, I want to be the best. I want to do the best version right. of this pose. But there is no best version of the pose. It's just a different version. And it mm-hmm. will will deepen something or it won't 
you know, and that's where the introspection, like really like understanding your limits, your body and recognizing like the, so many people end up injuring themselves because they think like in order to do yoga properly, like they have to get into this exact pose. And I thought that for a really long time, too. I was just lazy. And I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. So you, the only reason you didn't hurt yourself is because you're like, oh, that's too hard. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Like, <laughs> no, I didn't try to prove anything. I, I am not. Gonna, you know, I was just like, but now I'm like, oh, actually, like, I can maybe like attempt that. And like, maybe I should like slowly explore how to move my body in different ways that I just like tell myself like, no, I'm not going to do it or I don't want to. Um, and to this day, like I still like will almost always have like a slight bend in my knees when I'm like stretching my hamstrings because I'm just not very flexible. And people will always be like, oh, I thought about doing yoga, but, you know, I'm not really flexible. Right. Like, wow. You Okay. That is nothing to do with yoga. But unfortunately, everyone has like believe that like in order to be able to do yoga, you have to be flexible. And that's just simply like not true. But the funny thing is, is like the more you do it, it does make you more flexible. <laughs> and it does both mentally and physically. But you don't, it's not a prerequisite to start. You can start from wherever you're at. And that's what's really cool about yoga. Um, along that lines, uh, it does remind me of the sort of non-judgmental meditation where I hope many people start where you're just sitting there and, oh, you're distracted and there's all these thoughts and feelings and you, you keep trying to concentrate and you keep trying to calm your breathing down before you know it, you're thinking about these things. And <clears throat> I just, maybe it's the, I don't know if it's the right or the wrong approach, but it's that thing of, no, you're just there doing the meditation you shouldn't be forcing thoughts away. You shouldn't be forcing emotions away. You just let the things come and let the things go. And over time, you will observe the differences of what happens when your brain is going fast, when your brain is going medium, and when the thoughts come all the time, and when the thoughts don't come as often, you'll just observe it. So it sounds like this yoga thing, as opposed to like, you are climbing a mountain to the best ideal pose. It's more like, no, 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 just the regular practice of doing this over time will yeah. improve. But it's not the goal the ultimate goal yeah exactly for sure and like meditation is uh, like i think what you were saying like chasing like the high of like what you achieve when you feel like oh this was such a great experience and i think those experiences happen like a lot during a regular practice but they're not going to happen all the time. You're not going to want to do it all the time. But I, I've learned like the value of sticking to something of more regular. And it's like I've heard teachers liken it to basically like showering or brushing your teeth or, you know, like basic hygiene. Like it's kind of like that. It's just like it's just for maintenance of well-being, really. Um it's not necessarily something you have, you know, you could brush your teeth until they're the whitest, cleanest, like you can be obsessed <laughs> with flossing and all that stuff. And that's great. Right. I'm sure. um, <laughs> but it's not like you have to 
do that way every time or as long as you're brushing your teeth, even if it's just once a day or once every couple days, um, that's better than not doing it at all. So besides the fact that you tried doing something you did not like and then found that you did like it and that something you hadn't, a way you hadn't done things before helped kind of uncork you and you figure out, oh, this thing that wasn't working for me, I'm going to try something different. And the regular practice of going and doing yoga when you didn't want to. So you have this commitment to the teaching, but really it's just you. So it's just you pushing yourself to do this regularly and keep up a regular practice. So those are both two good things. At the very beginning, I think we were talking about this. I think I was thinking about the body advantages. And it sounded like when you learned more about yoga in this yoga teacher training, it opened up a lot more things you'd never thought of connected to yoga. So maybe here, maybe it's too early because you just finished, but how has your thinking changed in the time you've done this regular yoga practice over time? How have you changed beyond, you know, you're a little more flexible, you know, you can stick to this, you know, this thing you didn't like, you know, maybe you've learned that, Hey, I could try things I don't like even more. Cause look, this thing was great. What else? Deeper stuff. It sounded like there might've been deeper stuff or different stuff that kind of popped up for you too. Um, yeah. Like how has my thinking changed? Is that what? Yeah. Like if there's anything in particular you learned or a way of thinking that has whatever, all the things, a way of thinking you once had that was hard, that's now soft or something you'd never thought of before. Does anything jump out at you that, wow, this time really changed my thinking in X way? Um, yeah, I think like, because we focused a lot on like, yoga as a whole so like not just the postures but yoga actually has like eight limbs Mm -hmm. Um, there's eight limbs of yoga and um one is ethical practices um the other is like personal self-purification through discipline um there's then the bodily postures um Mm -hmm. the fourth is breath work which i emphasized a lot already. Um, the fifth is like withdrawal from senses. Um, just, and that comes a lot with meditation where you go inward. And then there's also the sixth one is concentration. Um, seventh is meditation. They're all kind of linked. And then the Mm -hmm. last one, Samadhi, um, the eighth limb is the disillusion of separation. And so when you put all these eight limbs of yoga into practice, you realize, like, for instance, I'll just do like, kind of like the ethical practices. Yeah. Like there were so many times where during yoga teacher training, um, where I thought about like doing something unethical, even if it was just like a small lie, I would, I was like, oh, like maybe I should just like say like, or like I did this and I didn't actually do it, but I'll just sign the form as if I did. And then I was like, wait a minute, like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, instead, like, cause I, it made me realize more like how we explain away like our bad behavior and, yes. 
um, it also made me think more about like um, the causes of suffering. And like we talked a lot about that in our yoga teacher training, like how we run towards pleasure and how we run from things that are uncomfortable. And that's like a natural thing we all do. And so like looking at like, when are you doing that? How are you doing that? Because pleasure isn't something that necessarily brings you peace or contentment, contentment. And so like, just becoming more aware of like, oh, yeah, wow, like, I was gravitating more towards the easier yoga or the yoga that seemed and I'm sure that was important while I was doing it, because at least I was doing something, you know, so I'm not even trying to say that was like a bad thing. Right. I'm trying to trash past Hill. All. <laughs> yeah, no, like that probably like doing that maybe actually is what got me to this point where I could face something I didn't like, because I knew with discipline and concentration that it was going to lead me to something better. And it did like to a better version of myself. So we're constantly trying to like, I guess what we're really trying to do is get back to our original self, our pure selves before we were born into this human body and what that like looks like that overall consciousness or spirit, whatever you want to call it um, and how we are all connected in that sense. And, um, so a lot of yoga studios don't really talk about all these other things because it gets too, like, with feeling like religious undertones and like yeah, like course. chanting or, um, you know, doing mantras or whatever. But like, it really has made me realize like, you have all the reasons to not do the thing, like to be a better person or um, to make better decisions but if you can actually choose differently with intention um then i just think you're like actually trying because i just feel like it's easy to not try to be a better person and ultimately yoga is just trying to get us back to that place of you know we're all connected. We all should be good to each other or should try, at least try. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but. No, it, it does. And it leads me to my, so if somebody hears all this, they think about the stretching, they think about the heat, they think about the camaraderie, they think about the community, they think about the learning, think about, oh, it's, it could even blossom into something that has some ethical components and mindfulness components, and it's not just the body. And somebody's like, oh, I should try the yoga thing. Has anybody like listened to you talk about yoga? And do you pitch them on, go to this website, or read this book, or go find a studio that does X, or go watch this video on why do you have a pitch for if somebody listens to this and like, Oh, yoga, I should try that more. I liked it before. I've never done that. I should try it. I don't know. What do you think people should do? What's the first step or a first step you'd throw at people? Um, I think like the first step I would say is if you're interested in trying yoga, um, find like a studio that you can go to that will like find like a hook, I guess, okay. like whether it's like a 
you're about to be a new mom and you're like, oh, maybe I should go to the mommy and me yoga <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby bliss. Or I think there's like studios like catered towards that, you know, and or if you're like, well, I'm super into fitness and, you know, I really like working out and I'm not really into the woo woo stuff of yoga, then go to like the yoga at your gym, you know, Um or if you're into animals, like go to goat yoga, I guess, like, or puppy yoga and <laughs> like start somewhere, start somewhere that like sounds somewhat appealing to you. Um, it doesn't have to be like a studio, like Samadhi that's really into like the honoring, like the origins of yoga and like um, the, you know, really like the roots of it and using chanting. Cause like there are studios that won't even allow you to say Om because Om is a representation of God and they don't want their yoga studio to be too woo woo or religious sounding. Okay. So like, they'll be like no Oming and no chanting, no mantras. Like there's all these different requirements based on what kind of studio you go to. So those would be like strictly secular yoga studio with very strict rules about nothing that even smacks of spirituality or religion. Exactly. Yeah. So if that's like a huge turnoff for you to like ohm or you're just like, that's weird, like go to like core power yoga or something, something that's going to make you feel like super fit and like is a super hard workout or something like do find a way to like, what is your point of access? You know, like, cause really I think there's even like wine yoga and like beer yoga, <laughs> like, even though some people hate it, like the, there are, I feel like there could be like, some uncomfortable bloating that happens mixing yoga <laughs> and beer. Maybe that's just me. I know it sounds terrible, but like, I'm just like, you know, do, do whatever, like would at least like lower your barrier to entry and just start there. And maybe you're an online person. Maybe you're like, I hate people. I don't want to be in a group. I don't want people breathing. I don't want people's butts in my face. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so maybe just start like with an online practice. Maybe just start with meditation. Maybe just like get download a calm app or insight timer and just start with that. You know, um, I think my one of my yoga teachers said he's like a DJ. So like what? actually was his entry into this was because he heard some cool music that was like kind of like mantra-y like type music and he just like started listening to that more and like DJing with that and then he was like explored more where it came from and then that was like his entry into it and now he's like an amazing yoga teacher so. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to be judgy and tell people there's a proper yoga and there's only one proper way into yoga and that <laughs> all the other yoga is is trashy westernized garbage? You don't you don't want to do that. Well, we could also say if you think everything else is trashy Western garbage that's appropriating the culture and where yoga come from that comes from, then go to India and like sign up for doing an intense Ashtanga type practice with. Um, Indian communities, like maybe go there and do the quote unquote real yoga. <laughs> <laughs> so there's even a place if you want to be judgy about yoga and only do the one pure yoga, there's places to go do your one pure yoga. Yeah. 
Exactly. Or if you're into like martial arts, maybe like go to a martial arts studio and even like the climbing gyms like are offering yoga and like climbers are like, yeah, I, I really need to like, you know, focus on my stretches for my wrists and my hands and like that kind of stuff because it's really just like anything is possible. You can explore it in any way that. So I would just say if you're unsure and just find something that appeals to you and start there. 